With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jersey Joe Corner. It is brought to you by Big Heads Media. It is going to be a great hockey season uh, coming right up. A lot of interesting things. Uh, Anchor.fm will help you uh, start your podcast and get things rolling. It's going to be a lot smoother when you uh, when you get the Anchor app, and it's so much easier to navigate. Even their online website at anchor.fm is very efficient and you can do a lot of great things with it. Good evening, everybody. Happy St. Patrick's evening. Yo, what's up? Happy St. Patty's Day. It's the anniversary of 552 for Martin Perder, and it's been many moons since we were able to say that name. Man, what it feels like? I mean, 11 years ago since since 552 and 11 years ago since 702 when Patrick Elias broke McLean's record for most points by a devil. Uh, and it feels like a lifetime ago, but I was remember I was there with that game. I think we both were there uh, for that one. But He uh, had a lot of energy and stamina left to basically, you know, play a full couple seasons left. And uh, nowadays... He's very likely going to be one of the assistant coaches or something like that if everything goes correct. Yeah, that's if everything goes cor- correct. I mean, we'll see what happens with that. But, you know, I don't know how everybody else is doing, surviving, no sports, no hockey, no nothing. I mean, it's. There's some stuff out there, but you gotta I, find it. I mean, I did a rod. I was starting to watch like in Alaska, getting updates about that. I mean, thank God for NFL free agency, really, because <laughs> I mean, if there is no NFL free agency, who knows? But I mean, you know, lot, lot, lots to get to. I mean, obviously the Devils, you know, this date in hockey history, big deal. You know, they played Chicago. At the Prudential Center. With a young Kane and Taves. Yeah, that was before. I mean, Chicago went to the Western Conference Final that year, but they lost to Detroit. That was the year before they won a cup. Um, So they had a nice push in them that year, uh, but they lost 3-2 to the Devils that night. Seems the Devils always played well on St. Patrick's Day. It always feels like luck is on their side when when it's on the day of green. I yeah. just I just remember nowadays they usually wear the red and green for those days, and it's always a treat to wear those. And honestly, they could have just worn plain green, but back then it was Lou at the helm, so they really couldn't do much. But let's talk about uh, Patrick Eliash breaking that. Yeah, I mean that was uh, that was crazy. Uh, he he just needed one point to break the record. Score. Yeah, I mean, look, I think that night he assisted. He assisted on Brian Gianta's game-winning goal. At the time, nobody thought it would be the game-winning goal because the Devils were up three nothing. But he he had an assist. He was tied at seven oh one with McLean, and they just needed a point to do it, and he did it. And the place went crazy. He comes out with the three stars wearing the, the St. Patrick's Day bowler, the green hat. The big green that you brought yeah. at, at uh, Party City. So, yeah. 
Yeah, he had a, he was eating it up, but I mean the night really belonged to Marty because he was cutting the net. He cut the net after his dad was still alive. There were a lot of pictures. Denis. Yeah, so it was it was in a it was a good night. It was a fun night, emotional night. Just can't believe eleven years ago that that happened. I remember the first several records he beat was Terry Sawchuck's, and then once he got to Patrick Waz, was like, gotta break it tonight and. I remember when Chico was doing that Chico Eats. He was at the Hobby's Deli part of the uh, of the Prudential Center, and they had a place there. And they put all like the four leaf, like the four leaf clover, with all the other non four leaf clovers on the floor that they put on paper. And Chico found the four leaf clover, and he said it, and and it had five fifty two on it. So uh, obviously, it was good luck. Yeah, that that was real good luck. I mean, Devils needed some good luck that year. Unfortunately, they didn't get it. But I mean, they got it in that game, but they didn't get it later on in the in the playoffs against Carolina. Yeah, Carolina always seems to be the thorn in the Devils' side. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, but you know, Elias. I mean, that we night... talk about when we talk about scoring wingers. You know, we look at Nikita Gusev, we think of Kyle Palmieri. Who else do you think of? Well, I mean, when I on the te- current team? Or on the current team right now. Score, I mean, Blake Coleman when he was there. What about Jesper Bratt? Jesper, I mean, right now, yeah, he is a scoring winger, but um, he needs to be more consistent. I mean, I think this break's definitely going to hurt him. I mean, I mean, it's not like the Devils going to make the playoffs anyway, but, um, you know, it just stinks that, you know, the break for him, he was, you know, he had points, I think, in like three or four straight games since he was benched and he was playing well. I mean, I think if he could put the puck in the net more and be more consistent with his play, then, he, yeah, he's the scoring winger, but, I mean, EAP would probably be on the bottom of that list. I mean, yeah, obviously the first guy, couple guys that come to mind are um, Paul Mary and Gusev. So uh, I'm just looking at the last five games of Mr. Brat. He had three points in his last five games. Okay. And so he didn't score the last two of – the Ranger and uh, Pittsburgh Penguin game. So he did, however, just look look pretty decent, you know, versus St. Louis, and he looked very good against an Anaheim team that's pretty decimated or was decimated. Let's just put the past tense because everything is on pause. Yeah, I mean, everything is on pause. I mean, it's crazy to think that, you know, what what's going on. But, I mean – you know, if I look at this team and I look at this roster, um, there's yeah, no one really else comes to mind as a scoring winger. Um, Maybe Gusev or Paul Mary. Yeah, Gusev and Paul Mary. That's it. I mean, it's hard to really. I mean, guys got to. I mean, the problem is guys got to develop. I mean, like guys like Joey Anderson got to like play more, like, develop more, like, Miles Wood, like, guys like that have potential, but they're not there yet. I think we're going to call this episode Luck on Our Side. I think so. That's a good, that's a good thing. Good episode. Question mark. And because one of the things is I think about is I was just writing a piece. I'm not going to give totally away for the puck authority, and I was talking about uh, what this COVID-19 break means for the New Jersey Devils. And, of course, I was talking about the Devils' own pick and the other picks and what the Devils could do, depending on who the GM is. But at the same time, what they need to do is we have a lot of playmakers and we have a couple snipers. We need to add a couple more snipers. And if we could use any of those early – secondary, tertiary uh, first, and maybe that 
uh, Islander second from 2021, they can use it as ammo in finding a goaltender, finding a defenseman, finding a scoring winger. Yeah, I mean, the the real question is going to be what happens with all these picks? Like, I was listening to Gary Bentman the other day, and somebody brought up the, the point. It's like, look, all these teams traded conditional picks, first-round pick. Nobody knows when this draft's going to happen. <coughs> no one knows what the draft's going to look like. And you really don't know where the picks are going to be, how it's going to be done. Like, that's a lot of the stuff that the NHL's talking about now besides getting the season back on track, which, you know, we'll get to in a little bit. Of course, I sent you that text uh, from TSN.ca. Yeah. Um, listen to what the insiders had to say. Yeah, I mean, so we'll get to that in a little bit. But, um, yeah, it's it's crazy to think, like, what the heck is – like what they're actually going to go on because nobody really knows. And one of the things I heard was that they want to start up preseason a little soon or training cramp rather to get everyone fine tuned once they get this dealt with. Um, if luck is on their side, of course, uh, not just a pun intended, but I mean, a good situation. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy to think, you know, when the season's going to start. I mean, you're hearing reports potentially, you know, eight weeks at the most before 50 or more people are allowed to gather. <coughs> you know, you know, if you listen to the president, you see him, it'd be August, July, August. So, and the players, you know, they're going to have to stay in shape. Um, they're definitely going to need some type of type of training camp to get reacquainted again, because unless they're allowed to get ice sometime soon, they're only going to be able to do like home workouts, and then they're going to have to play. Hey, these players right now, they're going to do their light work conditioning. They're not going to do anything extra heavy. No, but they're it's all about nutrition right now. Yeah, I'm with somebody about that, it's like they gotta. You can either gain 20 pounds or you can lose 10 pounds, neither of which is ideal. So they got to keep that because they're, cal- you know, they're calorie intake. Yeah, that, but they're not burning as much uh, because they're not playing. Right. So, so you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see what it looks like. Like, like, so for instance, like today, the players proposal that's making its way around, which apparently a lot of players are in favor of is, get a if everything is all right they get to an to july early july training camp opens get you you know get you back in shape play the rest of the season out august september it's a race to the stanley cup by the end of september and and Have, we we don't know the format quite yet we're hearing multiple things from d- well if from, from well, different if, writers and all that. Well, if this proposal is – hypothetically, this goes through, it's a 16-team playoff because they'll finish the regular season. And if – And my one – before we move on to that next idea, what does that mean for Devils fans with the Arizona pick? I'm not the Arizona pick, the uh, the Vancouver pick. Well, if Vancouver makes the playoffs, then – the pick is still the pick. But if they don't make the playoffs, then Devils fans are... We're, we we could still trade that. Uh... Right. Again, say they do come back, I would think they would be probably going to be honoring picks regardless of whether teams finish in playoffs or not. It... So, I don't know. Again, that's another piece to this whole situation. Um, but like I said, it'd be a shotgun finish to the, to the Stanley cup at the end of September, you draft your free agency in the month of October with some back to work a little bit, like some training camp and then 
November, you're back into an 82-game regular season condensed schedule. And it's going to be maybe they're going to do the third. It seems like they're going to do the 13 games a little bit less of, but they want to get to the playoffs ASAP. Right, exactly. They they, they need to get the cup handed out before, before the end of September. That's the only way this is going to work. I mean, it does check the boxes, keeps the integrity of the game. Fans are back, you know, eyes on the product, all the stuff that they need. And as one person that I talked to has, has always told me, no one likes to play games in October because of the NFL factor. You know what? They they could either spread it out or they could play games that are not on the weekend, but in the middle of the late weeks. Um, it seems more doable. Like, have games on a Wednesday through a Friday and maybe a Saturday in the – and the any time after four, it seems like would be a better idea. I know that they had games this year at twelve and one p.m., but that's still, you know, that's prime time football. Well, yeah, especially college football. I don't think they're so concerned about the college. I think it's more of the NFL. But, um, but as you'll see in the write up tomorrow, um, I I address that and what's there. But as far as, like, what playoffs would look like, I mean, your guess is as good as mine. I've heard three different options that I wrote about. One that got my attention was the 31-team round robin. You take the Boston Bruins and you let them have a bye week. Yeah, actually, you would take two byes. You'd have two teams with byes. So, take St. Louis and Boston, get byes, because those are the teams that have the most points. This is just if there was no regular season, you go right to the playoffs. And actually, you know what? It'd be great to see if it's if you have the Dells at the 14th spot in the East, and then we can switch conferences, um, and you play a team from the West that is <coughs> better than you, maybe a little bit better than you. By let's say, I want to take a look at. I want to take maybe win percentage or something like that, or yeah, exactly. or maybe just by a few wins. I'd rather go by a few wins. Uh, anyone that's above twenty-eight points, I would take. Uh, you would get either of the three of San Jose, Los Angeles, or Anaheim. But yeah, I mean, as a, I mean, like, <coughs> you went just straight by points. You know, then it would be like I think I wrote like I think Los Angeles or San Jose, a combination of those teams battling out for the final playing spot in the West, and then it'd be Detroit and Ottawa in the East, and the Devils would be in. I mean, so, it'd be cool to watch. It'd just be a single elimination tournament. Yeah, just boom, and then kind of like baseball in a way, right? With a wild card, it would be it would be kind of cool to see. Just like a March Madness kind of thing, I don't think it's gonna happen, but it's intriguing. Personally, I think it's either gonna be like a if they had a no regular season or they had a cap. Make it make fans that <coughs> it make every fan base happy, and it, th- there'd be a lot yeah. more energy. And fans that don't make the games will watch them at home, and they'll be happy they did. And it'll make you know. Companies like Fubo TV, you know, wireless streaming, cord cutting. Hello, people. Um, they do have MSG networks on there. Um, they're not paying me to say that, but I've yeah, been looking part- into that, and they do. And it'd be great for those streaming services to make money. Um, but I more more realistically, if they like capped it at like seventy two games, and then do like a seven, ten, eight, nine kind of playing game in two in the conferences. That would make sense. I mean, you know, 24 teams seems to be the leading the pack, um, you know, having kind of like either you have one playing round where you do um, – you take the top four seeds from each division and you give them – in each, you know, like to, so the top two seeds in each division get a bye. Then you just reseed and you seed the other – teams so 12 in each conference or you play two rounds of play-ins and you just give you know. and actually you were talking about 
having teams in the playoffs of 31 with the points. Uh, the Devils have 68, and Anaheim is the closest team with 67. So the Devils have a better record than Anaheim uh, in, in points. Yeah, so they would avoid that. They, they would avoid that eliminate that play in elimination. So yeah, there there you go with that situation, and they and at worst the Devils will play Chicago. believe in in Southern California and in New Jersey and if the Dulls do play Anaheim you're going to have Adam Henrique versus a non-Sammy Vatnin team with other teams that were traded with Sammy Vatnin parts like Yannick Wokonen yeah you can see Freddie Cleason in that game you know but again I don't I've never been a fan of rewarding losing um, especially teams that are really not in it, i.e., like Detroit, who's really mathematically out of the playoffs. Ottawa doesn't deserve to be there. And then the, um, but and then there was like a twenty-four team race. Yeah, twenty-four teams. You get um two. I was set it up like you give the top two teams a buy in each round. Hold on, it's top two seeds. In each conference, like so, Washington and Boston would get, I believe, buys. Um, I'm trying to do this off the top. Of my so head, I'm, at, I'm looking at, at the Eastern Conference. Boston and Tampa Bay are the top two. So yeah, so you would take. So for instance, you would have, for example, in the East, right? Nine would play twelve, which would be the Islanders and Canadians, and then the Rangers would play the Panthers. And then the lowest remaining seed would play Carolina, and the highest remaining seed would play Columbus. And then those winners, so for instance, whoever is the lowest remaining seed would play Boston, and the highest remaining seed would play Washington, which the two, three matchups in each division would just remain the same. Um, so, I mean, it would be a lot of rest time for, like, the top two seeds, but it could be a good thing or a bad thing. But it it's would be bit. nine, twelve, and ten, eleven. So, and I think you know when we talk about these playoff formats, um, another one I heard was have the losing teams play the other losing teams and see who will knock out the other and play the best remaining teams out there. And they, yeah, I mean. There's just so much out there, but but we do want to see a competitive playoff hockey like we always do. Um, in recent generations, we've seen, especially since 2012, and well, I'm not going to count the the 17-18 season because that was only one win. Yeah, exactly. So, um, it'd be interesting. It's definitely going to be interesting to see what we got and who we should see. And um, it's just, it's crazy. Um, it's just, it's, it's a time, it's an interesting time, crazy time. Um, you know, sports just stopped, hockey stopped. You, you wonder if they, if, they, what the the drop dead date is for them to just all right you know what we just can't get it done like we're not gonna have it if, if like like no cup awarded like nineteen eighteen if I said corrected nineteen nineteen was the Spanish flu but they were see the thing is the weird thing is is they were in the series already and then they had to can the series so on the Stanley Cup it actually has both teams listed and it says no winner due to Spanish flu that's a good so, at least both teams' names are on the cup, and it just doesn't say cup not. Awarded. I was just about how they're going to have to have the NHL draft. And I think they might have to put it on Zoom or Skype or something like that, and then they're going to have to televise it somehow because, you know, if everyone's quarantined, you know, how are you going to get your jersey and know ahead of time? 
Because. Well, well, they were thinking maybe similar to what <coughs> happened in the Crosby draft. He told it in like a conference room. Yeah, they they did. Was that a Sheridan? Yeah, was it the Sheridan? Because I do so look very familiar in that video. And that was a, for everyone thinking about that. That's back in two thousand five. I know yeah. we're, we're dating ourselves before the smartphones. Jesus, <laughs> I I know we're talking about things from prior to twenty twenty. Yeah, I mean, good times back then. I mean, it's it stunk that we had, um, you know, that we had no season, but at least we knew we knew the season would come back at some point. Yeah, it it just felt different from like a lockout. Like I remember. The, the, the half-year lockout in 2012-2013, you know, I just knew the the more news updates I got from Twitter, I think Twitter was around back then, but I was getting my news about every other update from Donald Fear and all the other stuff going on. I was like, my hopes started getting up, and then, like, halfway through the year, it's like uh, half the season's gone. And then my first game was – Versus the Flyers when Kovalchuk went backhand on uh, what was it, Ilya Briskalov. Yeah. That was that was the first time I ever. But um, I just I just think you know what they're gonna have to do with the regular season is that these players are gonna have to. Once they hear the drop dead date, they're going to have to start doing the heavy lifting. So, like I mentioned in my piece coming up, talked about how Jack Hughes not only nutritionally has to upgrade his game, but he also has to upgrade his game in the upper body part where he'll be like uh, Jesper Bratt and Nico Heischer being harder to knock off the puck a lot more. And he'll be – one of those hard to play against players. Yeah, exactly. Like he, this is good for all those young guys out there that you know, want to get into training before you know, they resume. Maybe put on a little bit of weight that they didn't have, and it's good for all the players too. Because think about this: their bodies are all beat up from the season especially those teams like grinding it out, trying to make the playoffs, man, you get your players back, you get healthy. It feels it's going to be like a, a restart. And, you know, maybe these young guys will get some training in and um, get, get a little bigger before they resume. And just imagine maybe they'll get a jump start on. It's like a double off know. season. It really is. It really is like a double off season. I mean, like the first week or so is going to be good for like, these guys just to rest. But, you know, if this drags like a month or two, they're going to have to figure out ways to, you know, stay in shape. I mean, I know I am. I know what everyone has to do is that you look at all the goaltenders, right? You know, they're always strong on the, the lower body. You look at Blackwood, he's got really good legs and he's. So, I mean, talking about, you know, a younger under 30 goaltender from Ontario in Thunder Bay who can really, you know, hold his own. I mean, I know most hockey writers and other pundits sometimes don't think of him as a, as the answer, as the number one, but watching him game in game out, he is a number one. He may not be Broder or any of those super elite starters but he's a legit starter and he can hold his own yeah i i think blackwood is definitely the guy for the future for the devils um um he, he'll definitely figure it out i mean he's he's already figured it out i mean <coughs> it's a shame that he may or may not pass Brodeur's rookie record but you know, it happens. But I know and a lot of guys, that won't, they, you know, a lot of people say, you know, Blackwood Schneider going to next year would be bad for the Devils. And I agree with that. But Blackwood is the future of this team, regardless of who the backup is. It's Mackenzie Blackwood's net to lose. And I said that for the beginning of the season. And you know what? He's come out on the right foot, and he's looked pretty solid. 
And I I don't yeah. doubt him for proving the doubters wrong. And you know what? Not everyone's going to be a fan, but you can make other people fans about that player. Um, it reminds me in this year's draft, if we wind back the clock once again to 2012, and we all thought Andre Vasilevsky would have gotten taken a lot sooner, but because of his nationality being a Russian, you know, not being able to sign a guy, you know, from the KHL and the other, you know, four. KHL system. Um, I did a little research on Yaroslav Oskarov. I watched him and, you know, on highlight videos and I've watched him, uh, of course, in the under 20. Uh, and I yeah. know he looked a little bad in the first game, but he did play in four other games and he did, you know, have a goal out average under three goals allowed but that was his only worst um save percentage of the whole year being under nine under 0.900 but i mean what i saw if you if i could tell him on eliteprospects.com i'm just uh pulling it up because i wrote an article about him on that on yaroslav oskarov compared a little bit to his Russian counterpart. Uh, you can talk about other goaltenders while I'm looking them up. Well, I mean, look, I mean, As- Askarov and Vasilevsky definitely have similar um, qualities. I mean, the guy that everybody's saying, you know, they compare him to is Carey Price for how high he's projected to go in the <clears> draft. <throat> but, you know, he didn't have a great tournament um, for being the number one for Russia, but, you know, Rus- the Russian coaches like to make moves quickly. But he did look shaky because it is it is an older person's tournament. It is a 19-year-old tournament. So, I mean, and he never played in a tournament before. So throwing him in first game was really tough. Um, he did settle down, but he he did get replaced a bit. He did get replaced a bunch. Um, uh, he has the ability, and he did play. have play. He did play in five games, and he had a one point four goals allowed average versus anyone under seventeen years old. And he did play in that U eighteen that um that he participated in two thousand eighteen two thousand nineteen season. Six games played, 2.31 goals allowed average, and his save percentage was .916. And then this year, you take a look at his St. Petersburg uh, KHL game. He came up for one game, two goals allowed, but he had a .920 in that outing. That's pretty good for a youngster like him. And he's not—he's only 17, and he's going to be 18. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Definitely good uh, for him, but he if he gets drafted, he ain't going to be coming over for several years like Vasilevsky. He'll just play in Russia, play for the junior team, do his thing. And that's what Vasilevsky did. I mean, you know, the Devils have Jill Sen. They still have Akira Schmid. You have Cole Brady. Cole Brady's going to take longer than Askarov. And my case is for Askarov is that – this year he's played in 18 games. He's got more or whatever. It depends on if the KHL and all their systems shut down with the pandemic. Uh, 18 games played, 2.45 goal allowed average for SK Neva St. Petersburg. And an point, another .920 save percentage. But um, we talk about that under 20, right? Um he- Um, anything below 0.916 is not par for Oscarov. It, it's it's not normal, but yeah, anything between 
a 1.4 and a 2.71 is pretty much normal for him. Anything between those. Yeah, so, you know, we got to, you know, you just got to check it out. He's got, again, it's all about development for him. And he's projected to go pretty high. Five through 12. But, (coughs) yeah, so that's high for a goalie. A guy that's probably not going to be playing in the league for a It It could, however, um, put him in the same slot as Andre Vasilevsky at 19. So if you're going to do a discount, um, and the Devils still have that second pick, and it, and it, they and they trade back. I can see them doing that, where as if they think the other skaters aren't worthwhile taking. But I mean, there's some really good depth in, in the middle of the draft where you can get a Caden Gulab for a defenseman. Um, you can get just about any decent player or uh jake sanderson we talked about before on the podcast i don't need to reiterate on him but um dylan holloway is a ncaa kid that you could go for but um at at that time you're almost rolling the dice yeah exactly so you really i mean it's so hard especially with goalies he could be he could be the best thing coming but then he could ultimately flop. Um, it's just going to be no. interesting to watch. And, and, be and again, we, 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 yeah, we don't know. And, and we don't know how how everything's going to be assigned. <coughs> Draft lottery was supposed to be April. We don't know what, what the order is. And we, so and we don't know how the these scouts for – Tommy Fitzgerald will do in all this time. And at the same time, the other wrench uh, that is being thrown in is when will Joshua Harris um, make the decision on who will be the GM or will Tommy Fitzgerald remain as the full-time GM and be able to go from there and get, get the coaching search done? Yeah, who knows? I mean, that's something that they they need to figure out. Again, it all depends on when the season comes back. I mean, they got all this extra time where they should utilize it and say to themselves, hey, I think we got ourselves a really good candidate. But... Yeah, I mean, I think, I think everybody thinks he's really good, but it all depends on what direction they want to go in and how they see this team. That's what I want, you know, that's what I want to see from a Danico or a Chico. Uh, I know they were on a couple uh, podcasts in the past year. Um, One of them being the devil's official podcast, but Chico's been on the let's go devil's podcast a couple times. And he's actually talked a lot of sense about like, the, the coaching and GMs and all that stuff. They assign. Yeah, again, this comes down to who the general manager is, what the philosophy is, who they want, what direction this team is going. I mean, everything is trending upward. But ownership has to make the final say. (laughs) It is a late night show, of course. Um, But um, I was holding that in for a while. I mean, Nazim and Fitzgerald have done really well with this team. I mean, you know, I personally think both guys should get a shot to stick around. And give it a meaning full they get a full season trial. Yeah, because I mean, you know, both guys really only got half seasons. If you look at it now, I mean, we talked about earlier in the year. You can't fire the owners. You can't unless you're that little guy who was with the uh, who was one of the other part owners of the Senators at the 
at the GM meeting. But um, other than that, you really can't fire a owner. You can't fire the fans. And certainly you can trade the players, but at this time it's the, it's the owner who has a say in getting the coach and the GM. Exactly. So we're stuck at a standstill. So, so, yeah, we really are. We really are. We really don't know what they're going to do. Like, we don't know. We have no clue. Like, we think that we think that we have an idea, but we thought this, you know, we thought the owners were going to be, you know, patient, wait and see, all this kind of stuff, trust the system, trust the process, all that thing. And, and I mean, here's the thing. I was talking with another person uh, a few days back. Um, we were talking about how how Ray Shiro basically rehabbed the doubles from Lou Lamorello's uh, uh, left the covered, you know, pretty much bare bones, and Uncle Ray got the the good cappuccino machine, and he got. You know, maybe a few really good cappuccino cups and cortado cups, etc. But you didn't get the rest of the ingredients for the coffee shop. Yet Tommy Fitzgerald has traded some assets, and he's got some really good things for the shop to help sell and produce. But yet we don't have you know other forms of ownership moving forward on certain business propositions. If I make if I make a a reference to exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we really don't. We really don't know any. Like, I mean, look. Personally, you know, everything the timing wise just didn't make sense about everything. But Fitzgerald has done everything right so far, which makes him a perfect candidate. But then again, those within feel like he might, might be, be the, the right analytics the people who might be a... <clears throat> who knows but it's weird because he's done everything what the owners have asked them to do the vision but do they see another vision are, are they want to be more aggressive Does, or are they going to hold back yeah. I know See, again, people don't realize in NBA you can get two players and your team turns around like that. It's not hockey league, it's not that easy. I think the owners have to reflect on this moment where they should think more than twice about hiring someone else because look at what the great things Tommy Fitzgerald has done, right? Like who would have thought trading Blake Coleman at times you know, a guy who's really good when he can score, when he's streaky, and you sell him for a Nolan foot and you get that first, that that beautiful first round pick from Tampa Bay in an upcoming draft. And you think about it for a second, right? What else could you have gotten for a Blake Coleman? What else would you have gotten for Andy Green? I would have thought in years that we would have got a, a second round green for a guy of his money and a guy of that age who's starting to slow down as a defensive defenseman. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but, you know, the, what he got for Coleman, what he got for Andy Green alone, and then he did well with, with the Vatnin trade too. I mean, Yannick Kokonen, when he came over, he looked pretty solid when he was playing for the Binghamton team, and they certainly looked great in the AHL before the season concluded. But I honestly thought, you know, the way he came up in his first game, I think it was against the Rangers, if I'm correct, or some. He didn't might... play. The... Uh, did he play the Ranger game? I know Cleason played the, the Ranger game and scored. It was a Pittsburgh game that Maybe they brought him back in, game. If, if I remember correctly. But I do remember when he was yeah. on that fourth line, he brought a lot of grit, a lot of speed, a lot of chase, and he looked like he was going to score. 
And I just don't think Kevin Rooney should be on that same exact line that Kokonen is. He's too he's too skilled for him. As as the no. dating people say, you're out of my league. And I'm sorry, exactly. but uh, sorry, Kevin Rooney. Uh, there's a reason why. Um, if if I had a island, I would leave. I'll let you be the one stranded first. Actually, let's play that Definitely. game. Um, if you had to cut a few players now, if it, if if it is free agent frenzy to be, and you could cut some players. Who would they be and why? Rooney, Hayden. Um, that's two. Uh, I mean, you can get you can, you have the guys like that in the systems in the system, and it, and it's time for those guys to. I mean, you got to put their feet against got. the fire. Right. Exactly. Um, um, what else? about some, oh, what about some, uh, AHL players that have been around too long? Defenseman, maybe? Defenseman, I mean, maybe Mueller, maybe you'll tell, tell him to take a ride. Cause I like Cle- what Mermis is bringing. <laughs> I like what Cleason's bringing. They I don't solidified that, that left side right now. Um, who could play know, almost a two way game, if you know what I mean. Like, he can he can shoot, he's not afraid to yeah. take the chances, and he looks pretty good playing for Elaine Nazardine. I know at times I'm a little worried about Nazardine, you know, having Jack Hughes playing left wing for a little too long, should have just kept him at center. Good. But I think this is one of the reasons why. They might keep him around. This is why they might fire him or just let him go. And they bring in like a Gallant where Gallant understands all sorts of young and older players. And who knows if Gronberg is going to be the guy or who else the Devils would be thinking. I mean, especially with the analytics guys kind of leading the charge. Yeah, I mean... I mean, Gallant makes sense. Uh, you know, we <coughs> talked about Gronberg. Uh, Nazardine. I mean, he's got to be I mean, the he's really done a great job uh, taking over from John Hines. And John Hines, honestly, the way he was running guys like P.K. Subban, he was, he was basically putting them on curfew too often. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. Um, you know, he had his guys, and that's what he was doing. And now you can, you see it in Nashville, too. Like, certain guys are getting played more over other guys. Like, once he finds – Like Kevin Fiala guy, I was listening to? out there. Well, Fiala is in um, Minnesota, but it's Mikhail Granlin is one of those guys now, too. to some players benefit when they do get traded and you know what there, there's always going to be a trade that works out for both teams and it made me think about earlier in the year when we talked about the Dylan Strom trade yeah he's really benefited from um, like for instance no I think if you trade it. John Hayden for maybe another, you know, maybe third line, you know, player. I mean, at least you could get someone a little bit more skilled after you had traded John Quenville for him. I mean, I would at this point, you know, yeah. you, you want to trade him while his stock is high and you have a guy on a roster spot who's a defenseman in Clayson and Clayson's a, really more disciplined guy, and he doesn't take the stupid penalties like Hayden does. But do you still want Miles Wood, although he does bring some speed for top nine forward? 
I mean, look, if you can move Miles Wood, great. If you can't, well, then have another year with him. And then I mean, go it could there. be his year to make or break with, you know, the upcoming season. But I do think, you know, other teams, especially Seattle, would be keeping their eyes on him. And who knows if Marty Berdur is making some hockey ops decisions, you know, working it with the next GM and you know, beneficial trade to benefit the Devils. Yeah, we don't know. Um, it would be nice to think Brodor's doing his best, um, helping out Fitzgerald. Um, you know, but I know he's, he's more on the more business on the side. side of things now. Yeah, but you know he is helping out on the hockey outside for for the meantime. I think what what I think really needs to happen, and this is just me, you need to have a president of hockey ops and a then a general manager and like have that I mean like um, go. if I remember when they had um what's his name Q Weber for president of ticket sales and uh devil's operations you know he was always out on Twitter you know being accessible to everyone I know the other guy Jake Reynolds is taking his spot but um as of now I mean He's not um, what Hugh was, but he's definitely like an our generation's version. So, I mean, he has a lot to prove, but we need, you know, a little bit more outreach in that area where you can reach out to fans and you can reach out to other people in the organization and outside. Yeah. Definitely. You have to reach out to people around, to other people, um, see what, you know, what they don't see. Like, cause you could have, you could be in an organization and you, you may not see that there's something missing, but if you reach to an outside person and they come in and be like, look, this is what we need. You're like, oh, wow. How come um, I never see that. So it's I'm always sure good to have with in the there. way ownership thinks a little bit differently. Um, do they want another, you know, run with a guy like Fitzgerald, but do they want to have a guy on the outside? And if, you know, someone changes mind, like, um, Mike Gillis, would Mike Gillis, you know, want to be part of our everyday operations? Who knows? Um, I know. I think Gillis's name has been mentioned. Um, it'd be cool to have him on board, but again, it's it's what do the owners want and how uh, they want to go about and doing it just their see, vision. I mean, the vision is the most important thing. I mean, it helps us uh, forecast, you know, all the upcoming moves and uh, other deals that occur and don't occur but who knows what um what happens between today and the day that the drop dead date does occur um i'm hoping that you know tsn uh and nhl network talk about um upcoming dates for stuff like that and giving us fans the clarity of you know, what to expect so that way we can kind of play armchair GM a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, right now, like, I think the guys, you know, I've just been talking about, you know, what the season, what the options look like for the season, where they go from there. Um, and then, you know. Read that, um, you know, what – what a season would look like. Um, just a little heads up. 
uh, Elliot Friedman said the word on the street is an Ottawa Senator play, player tested positive for COVID-19. So that'd be the first NHL test. But the initial symptoms aren't serious. So, But the team is supposed to make an announcement uh, probably tomorrow or something. I don't know. I mean, it feels like, you know, with the way that the season is going for Ottawa, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, it, no, It's been pretty negative. And I just remember um, that one Utah Jazz player – um, I think, nah, yeah, um, but what I was trying to say up, was, no. you know, that same locker room, right. Um, at Madison square garden that they use as the away team is the same yeah. locker room that the devils use against the Rangers against the Rangers that, um, I think it was the next couple of days or week or whatever it was in that time frame. Um, during that COVID-19, they weren't quite, ready to cancel things or pause things. And it kind of made me think that's pretty scary. Like um, they need to sanitize things a little bit better. Now that they're trying to research something for COVID-19, I mean, now it makes people want to sanitize um, those hands a lot more and be a little bit more hygienic. So uh, not, not to pick on certain people of yeah. certain teams, just, I I just think people got to do a little bit better with personal stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. I think I think uh I think they definitely need to do that. Um and you know, you just got to hope that whatever happens, you know, they get through it. And then we have hockey and we have, you know, regular things to go on and you know you know lucky enough you know you can go outside and you know skate I mean I was being able to skate a little bit so or you run just get around together shoot some hoops or whatever uh, yeah exactly just do something just gotta get outside because it's too nice to spend if you're lucky enough to be by inside. the beach take it um, <coughs> definitely um, I mean I do want to read that uh that letter from the Devils that they put in a statement the other day. Um, It reads, Dear Devils fans, during this truly unprecedented time in history, we want to take a moment to share how much our team appreciates you, uh, our incredible fans and family. Sports have a special power, especially through challenging times. They can be our escape, our distraction, our call to action. Uh, sports allow us to spend time together, build connections, and celebrate with friends and family. Sports are one of our greatest unifiers, and they hold an incomparable ability to assemble and strengthen communities. While we are not on the ice, we are still a community, and we need that community now more than ever. The outpouring of support we have seen in the Devils community is inspiring and drives our organization to work even harder to serve you. The following these difficult days and Thursday's determination by the NHL to... The end of March. We have also taken the precautionary uh, measure to close our offices at the Prudential Center for the immediate future. That was that that's just half of what uh, Jake Reynolds and Tom Fitzgerald wrote. And they did say go devils. Yeah. So, Hey, look, I'm glad the Devils are doing their part to help those part-time workers out. Um, you know, people need to get paid. People, you know, they were supposed to have a full season. You know, there's supposed to be concerts, wrestling, like everything. Um, people don't understand, like, when you shut stuff down, it's, you know, it's, it affects everybody. It's, it's one see. of those things that so, you got to help pump money back into the economy with people that work every other day. Exactly. Um, and, you know, when people rely on paychecks to survive, 
Um, and I'm I'm know, glad this, that they did that. And thing, so, you know, uh, it's very classy that they were the first owners in the NHL to take care of their arena workers. And it's and it's also great to see that I'm not sure if you saw it on Reddit, but um, Sergey Bobrovsky put a hundred thousand dollars to help the yeah. arena workers in Sunrise. Um, and his teammates also match that too. That's awesome. I mean, that's, I mean, that's so great. So, I mean, you gotta love what he's doing. So, you know, they're just taking care of the little guy and those, that's the heart and soul of the building. So, the um, people that the help that you have a cheer. Is, is really um, great. I know when I go into the Prudential Center, one of my favorite people I love seeing all the time is Dancing Earl. And he he's always got the moves yeah, for a guy his age. And he's got that swag. And I just can't help sometimes, you know, you know, it's either, you know, when you go up the escalator on the concourse, you see the lady. Uh, with the programs, and she's got everyone high-fiving her, saying, let's go Devils. And, you know, it makes me feel great. And I I like when people are pumped up at their jobs like that. They bring the energy. And it's one of those things as a paying consumer, you just want to feel that energy because you feel like you're part of, like, something special. Exactly. You need to be – you need to be – uh you need to be a part of it. It it makes you know it makes you feel good. Um, you get it. You feel that energy. Then you're excited for the game. So, I mean, that's pretty much where we're and at. We'll also, um, and also, I we'll know tomorrow there. or whenever we get Dan on, we're gonna, you know, turn the clock back to over forty years, um, the furthest back we've ever gone in a podcast together. Yeah. So it'll be pretty interesting. We're gonna. I'm going to try and throw in a few Devils things in there because there were a few Devils players um, that later joined the team over a couple different times. I'm not going to blow it away on that, but um, we're going to also talk about what um, the (coughs) the USSR and how things at that time and not just upstate New York, Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a great show. He said, I think he's free after 5.30, so we'll work something out tomorrow. Get him on the speaker yeah. and, you know, turn the clocks back Cold, to a different Cold. time. Um, Cold War, hockey, Lake Placid, Little Village, you know, sports. Again, sports rallying us uh, to So, um, And after that, yeah, we'll go um, from there. It should be fun. Another so, upcoming episode, I – I will tell the fans this. I did reach out to one of the writers of The Athletic to try and see if that person will come on. And I also reached out to another person who uh, covers Devils hockey. And it might be a coming if I hear an answer back. So I'm just teasing people right now until I get answers. Yes, I know. I told nice. I told That's you I like that. in the the pre the pre show text. I'm keeping it. You I'm always keep a good secret, secret, especially with I'm our source. Keeping it a secret. So I mean yeah. if you're gonna so. so socially distance yourself, the the Jersey Joe Quarter Devils hockey hockey podcast has been doing that for a long time because anchor.fm allows us to Call in a friend. Hey. Yo, we got a phone. There you go. And uh, for everyone, please stay safe. Uh, If you don't have to to go anywhere, stay home. Listen listen to a podcast. Yeah, definitely listen to the podcast. 
Enjoy this. Get some. Have fun. Get some fresh air. Get outside. Use Grubhub, DoorDash. Uh, but be safe. Be... Yeah, whatever. Just be safe. Uh, enjoying the content that's coming. Enjoy the night. Hey, by the way, people, Instagram, Jim Berenger, Nightcap Recap, up, NFL Free Agency. We talked and we talked. All right, NFL. Jim is on Enjoy Snapchat. He's on Twitter. Evening. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Snapchat. And don't forget, we also have a Facebook group called the Jersey Joe Corner. So it's. <laughs> Yeah, and we will post the results. Check it all out. And let's go Devils. Yes, we will. Have a good night.